Okay, well, welcome to um, Dojo Universe here. Uh, it's our third uh, podcast, um, and this is being the audio of this is being recorded and uh, uploaded to our podcast as well. Um, so it's uh, great to be here. That was a recording of uh, McCrimmon's Sweetheart um, by the late Donald McPherson, and that recording was actually fairly recent in the last few years. Um, Vin, do you know when that recording came out? It was yeah, the, um, uh, that's from uh, Donald McPherson, a living legend, um, and that CD yeah. came out in two thousand four, I believe, and then he was already probably in his early eighties at that point. Yeah, and the, just a great player, very very stylistic, and um, he recently passed away. And uh, I thought, um, you know, I thought Vin, perhaps uh, you you could give us some background. I I never knew much about um, Don McPherson, and I never met him, but uh, certainly one of the greatest pipers ever. Yeah, he was. You know, he was kind of he was he was pretty much a uh, a reclusive guy. You know, he did he sort of shunned the, the spotlight, and he wasn't really seen about and about as, unless he was judging uh, in, in recent years. But um, you know, he was pretty active all the way up until 1990, um, where he was winning. Pretty much, you know, the the senior people at Oban and at the Argashia gathering, and uh, and and various prizes at the northern meeting. So, well into his yeah. 60s. What are some of the, what are some of the numbers there? I mean, the numbers, uh, oh. you were yeah, I, I you were mentioning senior Pebrock and clasp he's, put together well, he's, added he's up. He's got a record in the, in the northern meeting for winning the class nine times, which no one has come close to beating, except I think for William McCallum might have seven, I believe, <laughs> and that's the closest yeah, I think anybody's got. Um, so, you know, and that, and that's and that stopped. I think he won his last uh, clasp at the Northern Meeting in 1975, and then he was competing in the 80s and winning the Senior Peabrack at Oban um, through the 80s and winning it in consecutive years. Uh, let's see. Let me count here. Hold on. Six, 17 times the Senior Peabrack at Oban. So, uh, all the way up until 1990. When he won his last time, for the last time, so that's fascinating. It, it is. It really is. And you know, it's you know, the, you know, I was able to dig up some biographical info, and he um, he would take long layoffs, and you know, he would compete regularly. And you know, probably more impressive is probably his uh, lists of seconds and thirds. I'm sure at some of these contests, you know, um, I'm sure. And uh, you know, he would. And there was a period in the '50s where he stopped playing entirely, apparently to learn piano, <laughs> and. Um, didn't compete or play bagpipes at all, really, in public, and then came back in like 1959 or something like that, and won. Uh, I think where are we here? Yeah, 60, 1960, won the one in his next class. <laughs> Coming back after after multiple years of lay, of not playing at all or not competing regularly at all, and did the same thing again in the late 60s. Uh, stopped playing for a few years and then came back in 1970, and won his next class. <laughs> so, it's a uh, it's quite a testament to the man's abilities as a player and a musician, you know. Um, it would be it, interesting to see, like, it'd be interesting in the chat, you know, how many people were aware of Donald. I mean, you may have been aware of him, but were aware of just what what kind of player Donald McPherson was. Because one of the things that interests me is that um, you don't really hear a lot about um, Donald McPherson, you know, when you talk about great pipers. It's yeah, usually... Yeah. You know, it's usually well. Yeah, I guess maybe it's because he's sort of is he sort of in between the old and the new? Maybe, maybe. is that is that, that, that what it be. is? It could also be maybe because he was wasn't really a public player. 
um, and maybe or, or maybe we're just too young to to be around when he was in his heyday. You know, where you know we tend to talk about the pipers who are who are active now, you know, and who are winning now and more most successful now, because that's the ones you're seeing mostly. Um, and uh, you know, back in maybe the '60s, and uh, you know, in in early '70s, he was probably maybe the guy you talked about, you know, when you talked about solo pipers. And then after 1990, he kind of faded away and just was seen at the judging table, um, and no one really talked about him. But I think you know, I mean, it, it depends on who you talk to. Like a lot of the the piping hoy polloi didn't know who Donald McPherson was, but if you mentioned Donald McPherson to a lot of the you know, active soloists on the on the big time contest, you they would most certainly know who Donald McPherson was. So uh, I, I would think I would think he's probably a, a piping hero to a lot of people uh, that are currently out there winning prizes. Yeah, this this recording, the Living Legend recording, which regretfully I don't think we actually carry that, do we, Carl? That uh, that album. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, which is too bad. I actually own it. I, I forget where I purchased it from, but uh, it's really remarkable. No, it, it really is. Um, it's start to finish. It's all P-Brock on the album, but it's uh, start to finish really interesting. What you know, And I think um, Jack Lee is joining us here, hopefully in just a few minutes, um, you know, to talk a little bit about Donald McPherson. Yeah. But, you know, um, and he'll talk things, more about... One of the things he was really known for is his sound, right? Everyone sorts of talks about when they talk about Donald McPherson, they talk about his bagpipe sound, and it's, it really is no lie. Yeah. It's really quite amazing and uh you know and, and i'm hopefully jack can t- you know sort of chime in on that and what based on what he knows um i think he really changed the way people or solo competitors uh set up their instruments um i think during during the 50s and you know 60s their their sound was probably all over the place you know it was kind of expected that things can be a little out of tune drones might not be spot on but i think uh donald mcpherson kind of changed all that <laughs> and uh yeah you know and 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 forced everyone to to keep up you know and to really sort of lock in their instruments and get them top notch you know um in 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 the cd uh a living legend there's a whole bunch of biographical information a lot of different things there's an article from 1987 glasgow herald um that was written in the 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 heading is the perfectionist in search of the ideal piping sound which i think probably encapsulates it pretty well um and he goes on do you want to give us a want to give us some of that because that sounds interesting it is interesting, and there's a couple of quotes in here. He's like, um, you know, and the first quote is, "I've always known exactly what sound I'm after," said the man credited with establishing since the war a new and consistent standards of tone production on the bagpipe. Following the trail of that sound entails a com- complex analysis of the primitive, often unstable instrument itself. And then later on, uh, you know, uh, he says, "Getting the pipes tuned to start with, with is something that anyone with a reasonable ear should be able to do," states McPherson. But balancing the pipes, he suggests, is the art. It preoccupies him, quote, seeking that certain sound from the tenor reeds, the bass reed, from from the resonance to the drones must have in relation to the channer. And later on, he says, talks about his bag. He said, the bag itself is a primary source of expression, says Donald McPherson, requiring an infinite variety of sensitivity of pressure. Quote, to produce and keep the sound I want, I'm using my arm to humor the reed, he said. If the reed is out of fraction, I ease the pressure, or I may squeeze the bag or blow just that little bit differently to force the pitch up on a certain note. Which is a little insight into the yeah, secret of the man's ability to produce sound, I guess. Yeah, it's not just about squeezing that thing, no, is exactly. it? There's a little bit or, more to it. Yeah, exactly. Or just uh, <laughs> making making the things inside the drones work as hard as they can, you know. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, it, I mean, it's really fascinating. I mean, one of the things listening to, you know, my very brief exposure to Donald McPherson, um, you know, listening to the CD, the playing is also very stylistic. It's not, you could hear the GDE variation, for example, in the um, McCrim and Sweetheart that we just listened to, much slower uh, rate mm-hmm. in the doubling than would normally be expected, but boy, does it really work yeah, yeah. well. And he, and it's like he, he strikes an absolutely excellent contrast, too, as he's moving, even though it might be a little more uh, slower or slower than what you're used to hearing. You know, There's still that excellent contrast between the variations that just sort of move the whole thing along. Yeah, some people, Vin, maybe you could turn up your sound just a hair. People are saying maybe your levels are a bit low. Hmm. We'll take care of that. Let me see here. Because, yeah, when Carl came on, he was quite a bit louder. It's unfortunately one of those things that's kind of tough to to figure out for us. Go too high because then you get get my uh, background noise. That's quieter. That's quieter than it was before, Vin. It is? Oh, yeah. Go ahead and crank her up a bit. Crank it up. How's that? I think you could go more. More. <laughs> okay. How's that? Yeah. That should be better. Excellent. Hopefully that's better for folks there. There we go. So um, uh, I don't see Jack yet. Um, you can send him a quick email here. And uh, yeah. let's let's go to a couple other topics. We'll revisit this. Um, Jack is, of course, I'm sure, really busy, so um, hopefully he'll be on in the next few minutes. But a uh, couple other things going on. Um, one of the things, it'd be interesting to see if anyone out in the audience has seen any of the uh, pipes and sticks on Route 66 activity. I know that um, maybe um, I want to say... I think we had Sean Cahill. Yeah, I think Sean maybe mentioned that he had had seen it there um, as well. And uh, yeah, Sean, I mean, maybe what I could do is, um, uh, Sean, I'm going to enable your your audio, and uh, maybe you could come on and just tell us a little bit about what you saw because I think that's a cool thing that's going on, and we should maybe talk about it if we can. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you loud and clear there, Sean. So so tell me what this thing's all about, because aside from what I'm seeing on Facebook, um, I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm not really fully understanding what's going on. So maybe you could enlighten us. Yeah, you know, from what I gathered on the on the Facebook and the same pages uh, is that is it John McDonald, I think, that did uh, on the day. Yes. Um, was putting together another documentary with uh with the uh, Dunkin Donuts and three <laughs> three guys trying to go across the uh route 66 and they're hitting uh different areas and doing little concerts and uh workshops throughout cool. um they got uh the two drummers uh and then uh three pipes and uh, from what I saw in Flagstaff, it was a, it was a good show. It was fun. I mean, especially for for around here, I'd say the only thing that was really uh, different, I guess, for them in Flag would be that it's about seven thousand feet in Flagstaff uh, <laughs> elevation. So they got the joy of trying to uh, tune pipes at seven thousand feet. Excellent. Um, 
What kind of what kind of what kind of uh, music well, did they play? Uh, they they played a, a lot of stuff. Um, you know, anything they played some some American classics, uh, and then everything from uh, four four marches to jigs, hornpipes, a uh, couple peat rocks. Um, it was it was a fun show. I had a good time. Uh, I think what was most impressive though is there was a local band there, and uh, they spent a lot of time with that band, tuning them and and helping them out and getting them good to go to open the show. I think it was just really neat to watch those guys do that and, and spend that time with them. And that you could see the improvement made in just a short time that they spent with that band. So true, true. It was a nice those personal guys, touch. Guys so. <laughs> you know. yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely a good show. Uh, if they got any left, I think they got a couple left uh, out California way, I think. Yeah, I see, so. I'm hearing it seen in the comments. I guess they had their final show in Pasadena, I guess. Um, that was their final show, which was, I guess, maybe the last few days. Yeah, Jennifer, I know that. Jennifer, I've enabled your audio as well if you'd like to chime in. Um, just using the uh, microphone button there at the top of the screen, you should be able to come on if you can. But, uh, but yeah, Sean, so that sounds really fun. I mean, um, for me, it looks as, it looks as though, you know, certainly the setting is right. And uh, I've spent a lot of time with Stuart Little and, you know, we traveled a bit with the SFU pipe band and stuff. And, you know, he just loves, I think he just loves to see different parts of the world and kind of play bagpipes in different parts of the world. If I'm remembering correctly, it was the Montreal airport where, um, we we played our pipes through security. Many of us in the band. <laughs> uh, you know, those days are gone. Sounds to me. <laughs> um, and uh, Jennifer, um, it, we can't really hear you yet. Okay, can you uh, hear me now? Oh, yeah, there you are. Yeah. So um, anyway, Sean, thanks very much for your thoughts. I'm gonna uh, turn you off here, and we'll bring Jennifer on. So. Uh, Hi. So, yeah, Jennifer, and I know you know John McDonald, right? Yes, very well. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, he um, was invited along on this trip. It wasn't his idea to film it. The guys actually asked him if he would document it. Oh, wow. I think they regretted that a little bit when <laughs> they didn't realize it meant <laughs> that there was going to be cameras in their face 24-7. Yeah. But um, as I told Jim Kilpatrick, I think they'll be happy that he was there. However, you know, he didn't get the funding that he wanted on uh, Kickstarter, so um, I haven't really talked to him. It seems like he's going ahead with it. I don't know how he's going to get the funding, but he'll probably do another Kickstarter campaign to try to get funding for the post-production. Hopefully people will support that, but it seems like there's a bit of a dollar limit of how much can be raised from the piping community, which to me seems like it's about 20, 25 grand is about max. So we'll see. Right. Yeah, I think that, I think that that calls for sort of a some sort of premium event, you know, for the premiere, you know, some sort of webcast, some sort of interesting uh, thing. I mean, I would definitely spend money for a for the first time viewing of that on the internet somewhere. Well, I heard a lot of stories about what happened on the trip, so I'm pretty sure it's going to be a really interesting movie, not just, you know, a home movie of family vacation. I think uh, there's some really amazing things that happened, and John's pretty good at pulling out a good story. Cool. That's interesting. I mean, so, um, Vin, are you maybe saying that 
dojo you should talk to to John about. Well, maybe, maybe. So it, yeah, I mean, I, it's like as, start, start leveraging some of the uh, some of the tech that's out there, man. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be a great honor to do that. Um, you know, one of those documentaries. I think you know, I, I think it'd be cool to talk a little bit more about you know the Kickstarter. I guess what they're calling it now is micro. What is it? Micro financing or micro lending mm-hmm. that's going on, and I think that's cool for what we do. Yeah, I think that's cool because there's never going to be. I mean, and by never, I mean certainly not, not the way I can foresee it uh, presently. But there's never going to be a way to get sort of big budget projects to happen in our sort of style because the market is so limited. Right. Um, but I think this is cool. I, I mean, it's too bad, but I. I did see he did raise quite a bit with the Kickstarter, just just not quite enough, right? Yeah. Well, you don't get anything. If you don't get, Go ahead, Jennifer. If you don't meet your goal, you don't get a penny. It resets to zero. So yeah. he had asked people to you know, send money to him on PayPal, but I'm sure that was only a few people. But I did notice that he was having the guys do all of the signing of the Route 66 signs and um, drum heads and all that stuff. So it looked like he yeah, was yeah. definitely going ahead with all of those rewards for a future a Kickstarter bagpipes, campaign. Sets of bagpipes there too as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, cool. one interesting thing about On the Day, which might surprise some people, is that John, you know, he's, he's a filmmaker. That's what he does for a living. He's made several other documentaries. And um, so he entered on the day into all of the film festivals that he could possibly think of, starting with the Edinburgh Film Festival. And I don't think it made it into one single one, which just points out how niche bagpiping is, even with a great film, because I felt like on the day was an amazing film. And, um, you know, it really does come down to the piping community ponying up the support if we want to have this kind of stuff documented on film because one thing that really struck me was we don't have that much great footage like I said to you before last time I was on here but we don't have a lot of great footage of these guys a lot of times you go on YouTube and it's just the crummiest video possible (laughs) from people's phones and it sounds bad and whatnot and so what John is doing is really documenting these pipers in the most fabulous beautiful way so you know, if we want to have access to that kind of stuff, it's going to have to come from us. Yeah, it's, and it's yeah. pricey to to do a professional level job uh, on that kind of thing Very. as well. You know, which is probably part of the problem. It probably costs sixty to a hundred grand to put together a film. Yeah. So. And then, how many? I mean, what are the what are the odds of being able to sell? Well, or it's actually you'd have to profit that hundred grand as well. So, what you know, what are the chances that you're going to be able yeah. to? Uh, to make a, to you know, and and even to break even, I mean, absolutely. I, guess, I suppose, mm-hmm. I suppose you could start a nonprofit, you know, where you're not necessarily trying to make tons of money, but, um, but even so, I mean, how do you, if it, even if it costs sixty thousand, you know, having sold CDs, you know, myself, it probably costs, uh, probably costs roughly five dollars a unit to produce a DVD, maybe a little bit less on mass, but then. Um, you know, and so then, how much can you sell it for? Maybe twenty bucks. Yeah. yeah. And so I think John's done. Uh, he's done everything he could possibly can. I mean, to promote on the day. I mean, he, you know, last year I ran into him at a you know 
during the week in, in Glasgow, and he was doing <laughs> he was doing everything I think humanly yeah. possible to yeah. build awareness for that movie and get it in people's hands, you know, from you know special box sets and you know flyers and special gifts and all kinds of things. So I think you know if whatever max he reaches is probably the upper limit to what anybody can do, you know. Um, he, yeah, he not to, and not to, you know. And not to turn this chat into a chat about, you know, funding for movies and everything, but, you know, a lot of people came up to John and said, you know, oh, let me just buy one copy and then I'll make copies for everyone in my band or, you know, oh, I'll get a copy from a friend. And the point is, you know, that if everyone would buy their own copy, then we could all have it. <laughs> if everybody copies it, we can't afford to do it. So. That's true. But it was a great yeah. concert. The last concert was really awesome. We had a great workshop in Pasadena. A lot of people turned out. We did a pub crawl. We did a bunch of stuff, awesome. and the guys were really troopers. And um, it was a fantastic event. And um, as being part of the host pipe band, I think we all thought we would play a little more. We just played, you know, two sets at the very beginning of the... Um, actually, we were just supposed to play one set, but they weren't ready in time, so we got to sneak in some six eights. But then we got to sit back and relax and watch the concert, and it was sublime. It was just really sublime. And ours was yeah. in a big cathedral, which was gorgeous, and I, I just know everybody had a great time. Yeah. How was the pub crawl? The pub crawl was pretty good, but actually that was part of one of the intriguing things or one of the the, the uh, surprising things that took place. I don't know how, if this will show up in the film, but MJ, who is Mike Cole's wife, had a terrible situation happen. She had an um, asthma attack in the elevator at the hotel just as they were heading out to come do the pub crawl. And they actually had to get the paramedics to come and disassemble the elevator oh my gosh. so the guys were an hour late and um but it was fine it was really fun <laughs> this, and this, the, this but, journey's been fraught with things like this yeah <laughs> yeah and um after the pub crawl which was four pubs and the wives standing around very shyly collecting tips jim kilpatrick <laughs> said well that was an experience i have never done anything like that so it turns out that neither, none of these guys have ever gone pub to pub collecting tips before. <laughs> that <laughs> was funny. a first. Yeah, Stu, Stu Little, Stu Little it seems tireless when it comes to stuff like that. Every time I've seen him, like, you know, kicking in a, in a bar somewhere, he's just like, he just like never stops. So I don't know, it was, be curious to see what it, you know, as they're playing their way through this thing, how the other guys fared as well. It wasn't what, it wasn't, I thought it was going to be an epic Stuart Little playing pipes till one in the morning on all yeah. his you know, but it wasn't like that actually. It was just a few tunes in every pub, and they we stopped around ten. It was pretty tame. Uh, it was pretty tame, but it was uh, fun. <laughs> Gonna get Piper's a bad name. Yeah. So uh, I'm just uh, sorry. I'm just kind of emailing. Uh, Jack got back to me, and he said, "Oh, I'll be on at three fifteen. No problem." Got a couple of stories, and <laughs> and I said, "Well," I, and I meant three fifteen. Now in BC, it it is. 3:34 right now, right? So. No, it's yeah, nine. I, I must have. You went the wrong way. Oh, it's wrong I went way, the man. Wrong way. <laughs> there we go. I went the wrong way. <laughs> uh, you don't, you've been away too long, man. So I guess I meant nine. Uh, nine forty-one. Tell him to pour a cup of top. coffee and get on the, get on his computer. 
If you can't make it, no problem. There you go. Well, someone in the middle of the Atlantic can sign on at 3.15 their time, I suppose. <laughs> so there you go, folks. If Jack can't make it this week, uh, maybe we'll reschedule for next week. Um, but uh, who knows? Maybe he'll be able to hop on. Sorry about that. But um, anyway, um, so Jennifer, thanks for thanks for sort of uh, yeah. I need a, exactly. I think I need a, a ninja training uh, special at Dojo U about just basic. You're gonna, you're gonna have to have those clocks. multiple clocks on the wall like they have in the banks, you know, with the different time zones and the cities underneath, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, Jennifer, I'm going to turn you off, but thanks very much. Jennifer is, of course, um, uh, your major of the Pasadena Scots, right? That's and right. you guys did pretty, did pretty well in Scotland last year. I, we were there um, to kind of help you guys a little bit. Which we appreciated which cool. so much. Thank you, Andrew. And it's been my pleasure to chat about uh, the pub crawl and stuff. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Well, uh, we'll see you a bit later, I'm sure. Okay, Andrew. good. So, um, so that's good. So um, the next thing on the docket is um, I wanted to talk just really briefly about um, a, another cool podcast that happens in the world that I didn't really know about until um, uh, apparently um, Mike, the guy who um, spearheads the podcast, he's actually a member of Doja U. And so uh, Mike uh, Brolini is his name, I believe. And um, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And they have a really cool podcast. They're based out of Arizona, and we had a good time just kind of talking about stuff. And I think that's coming out on Saturday. Um, what's the link? Be, uh, I think well, the, the com is. We'll go right to their podcast page. Yeah, I think so. But then, if not, let me see if I can find because yeah. they're, uh, you know, I think it's beer tent. Yeah, I mean if. I, if if anybody has a chance to listen, it's, it's worth the listen. It's just a few guys sitting around chit-chatting about bagpipes and beer, which you know are two of my yeah, favorite things in the world. So <laughs> can't go wrong. Yeah, and uh, it was pretty cool. They uh, they had a Belgian beer on on the docket there, um, you know, the other day, and uh, yeah, and you can get them on you can get them on iTunes and and stuff like that. And I sat in. I talked a lot about Oren Moore and. Uh, what we're doing. We talked about that for a while and then we got into Dojo University and, and the different types of stuff that uh, that we're up yeah. to obviously with Are, with the, are all those guys U, based so. out in Arizona together or are they spread I be, out? I believe so. Yeah. I believe they're in Arizona and I can't remember I could look it up but I can't remember the exact city but uh, cool. Yeah, it's, I'm okay. sure it's, yeah, it's pretty even thinner out there than it is even here on the east. You know, and I, you know, listening to a couple of their podcasts, they they, they suffer from uh, uh, what what I like to call ABC American bagpiping syndrome or American bagpiping complex, which is like this uh, feeling that we just aren't good enough. You know, when we compare ourselves to the likes of Scotland and Canada and things like that, which, right. you know, I think everybody in the in the United States wrestles with that from time to time. I think uh, I think in some cases, uh, yeah, I think it's. I think you're definitely right about that, and I think that, um, but uh, at the same time, and I talk a little bit about it on this podcast, I think, you know, uh, the opportunity to be greater than any other piping community is also there, Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and just kind of needs to be harnessed, you know, um, which is a large part of what we're trying to do here at Doja University, so, um, 
so it was really cool, and I, I definitely want to want to plug them. Obviously, they'll be plugging us a little bit in the, their upcoming podcast. So, but uh, I, I think it's a cool, quirky, funny show that's uh, definitely worth getting onto your iPad if you can. You know, um, so so yeah. So I don't know. I think um, the next step, Carl, we should maybe um, see what's on the docket for our amazing product review for the day. Um, getting a message from Mike Filmin. Um, so Carl's just going to get set up uh, for his product review today. Um, he's going to be – Carl, how long do you think you need? A minute or two? Oh, I'm ready. Oh, he's ready. So uh, we'll let him take over the uh, video here. And uh, we're, trying a new, we're trying a new set here for the, this segment of the show. Yeah. Yeah, we'll try it for today. Um, so today's product review is this crazy thing here. Um, it's actually a really kind of neat tool. Uh, it's a bagpipe chanter reed pressure gauge. Uh, it looks kind of like this. Got a nice big dial on the front. Um, it's got a tapered kind of inside here, so it fits most chanters. Occasionally, you need to throw a couple uh, rolls ahead. Or wraps of hemp on it, and it's just like a mouthpiece. Um, so I have my uh, Piper's Dojo channer here that I use to uh, check reeds uh, for pressure. Um, and this is kind of nice because it gives you a measurement in millimeters of water, which is uh, at fairly... Hey, Carl. Yeah. Carl, can you uh, restart your video because... Uh... Uh, people are saying some people are saying they can't see you. I can see you okay, but um, we'll 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 tr get that going again. Um, Hopefully that works. Um, yeah. So um, then maybe he's good now. Yeah, good. We're good to go there, Carl. So um, it's it's done in millimeters of water, which is a fairly meaningless uh, uh, measurement for us. Other than that, it just gives us a kind of ballpark. Um, and, and fairly accurate way of measuring uh, the strength of a reed. So uh, right now I've got a, a hard reed in here. I'll go ahead and give you a, kind of a demonstration how this works. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to see the dial here, but... So... Oops. <laughs> you can kind of see that it's moving here. Um, and if I get in close here so the people that are uh, on live can see, uh, it goes from 0 to 60 inches of water. Um, and an easy read is generally anywhere from 25 to 30. Um, a medium's like 30 to 40, and anything above 42 or 45 is a, a hard read. This one's coming in at about 47, so this is quite a hard read, but uh, really nice thing. So... Uh, let's see. Why would you ever want this? Well, there's several reasons. Um, first, Andrew, I'm going to turn back on your mic and tell me, how hard is your band read? Not hearing you. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I'm, I was loading up the next segment there, but uh, how hard is my band read? I don't yeah. know. Kind of hard. Exactly. And, and Vin, do you have any idea how hard your read is? 
Yeah. So also kind of hard. So if I wanted to go pick out a. Uh, mine is uh, also kind of hard. <laughs> I. Read for for these guys. Um, uh, you know they ordered a, a reading. Kind of hard. It's, you know, my definition of kind of hard is going to be way different than than Andrews or or Vins, and that's where this thing really comes in handy. Um, if, if you have one of these, you can do several things. You can, uh, when you get new reads, you can pop them in a channer and then write down what. Uh, strength they came in and, and what you ordered. So this medium came in, it's a, you know, 35. And I played it for 8 to 10 hours. It's broken in now and it's broken into about, you know, a 30 now. And so that's the strength that I like. I now have a number, a quantitative number to the strength of read that I like to play. Um, and that's that's really nice because then you can give us a call um, and most uh, pipe shops have this as well, and say, hey, you know, I really like a read that starts at around, you know, 37 or 40 uh, millimeters of water. Can you pick out a couple that are close to that range and, and send them to me? Um, and that's, that's really a kind of a neat uh, ability to have. Uh, you could also kind of see, you know, once you've you got the break-in pressure, you got the playing pressure, and then you could kind of chart it if you were – uh, so inclined to see when the reed really starts to become unstable and, and no longer really any good. You can see kind of how the pressure drops off um, throughout the playing process. I would say, Carl, that's what you're saying there is really, um, you know, is really a good thing. And I would highly recommend doing that. So here's here's a drill. So let's say he, as, a, as a pipe major of a band, I want my players to be producing the maximum volume possible, right? Uh, without sacrificing, obviously, uh, and and the harder the read is, generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, the harder the read is, the more volume it's going to make. All right, so so here's the deal: I need to give my players the perfect strength, so the maximum strength before they start to lose focus. That you know, because it's so hard. So that's where I want them to be. Well, where is that? Well, one of the interesting things you could do is um, you can you can ask players. All right, what are you capable of blowing? And you could do that. You know, you could pick a band practice and just go through with this thing, and you could figure out where people are blowing. Now, the next issue is going to be, all right, where, uh, how much do these reeds break in at when you get new reeds? And so, I, I like for example, we use the Warnock quite a bit. Uh, you know, we use it in um, Scotia Glenville and in Oranmore. We use the Warnock, and what happens is the Warnock breaks in a lot, probably more than the average reed, right? So. Um, so the next thing is, all right, how much is that on average? If you could figure out the average break-in, now you can call up the Piper's Dojo and you could say, I want Warnocks and I need them all to be picked out around this strength. Or maybe I need a few here and a few there. And you're going to know where what strength they're going to break in. So using this tool, right, you can then say, you can then set up your pipe section perfectly, right? Or, or your own solo bagpipe as well. Like this is this is the best uh, strength for me, but you, you, then you can take into account how much the reed's going to break in, and uh, it sort of occurs to me, Carl, maybe we should, uh, you know, maybe we should, on our website, maybe we should, you know, do this research and give that information for people, but... Yeah. You find that the differences in uh, the make of the reed, like a lot of makers will say, oh, you know, we make strong, medium, and easy, 
you know, and when you get them in, you you, pl pl you plug the medium or easy in, and it comes in at a, a level that, you know, would be considered maybe medium to hard or something like that. Is, you mm. find that kind of thing happening? Uh, you know, I'd, I'd hazard to guess, um, having done most of the read picking here, that they're actually pretty close. Um, a lot of the easies across different brands are, um, you know, easy and they're coming in at about those pressures that I said. So, you know, anywhere from, you know, 22 is a really easy read to 30, 32 ish. That's an easy read. And most of the um, manufacturers, they're coming in they're, they're easy reads are within that range. Um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised is that well, I'm sure they're you know, probably thinking about that. Similar than that. You know, they've all got this gauge and they're all yeah. sort of gauging their reads before they ship them out, which, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I like all this modern technology being applied. I like getting a <laughs> 300 reads and having 150 be crap and, you know, 200 be maybe okay. And, you know, I love ordering. I like, you know, I don't really, I only want 10 out of a thousand to be good when I order from <laughs> That's I like the challenge of having to, yeah, put. I love the challenge of having to, you know, exactly. spend three days going through these. <laughs> I love that, uh, and and I think that uh, you know the read the quality of reads has gone way way up even over the past ten years. You know, it's just much better. It's I think it's a more competitive market now, and I think technology is better, and I think people's knowledge of what they want is better too. So. Um, so Carl, that was a really, I think that's a really good review. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say it's sort of against Piper's dojo policy to do this, but I will say sometime in the extremely near future, there may or may not be a daily deal on this item. So, uh, you know, you, you may or may not have, uh, exactly 43 hours to think about this product before you'll be able to buy it. Uh, at a reduced price. So, uh, you know, just kind of throwing it out there. Um, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not really saying one way or the other, am I? No, not really. No. <laughs> so, anyway, that's the Channerid pressure gauge. Yeah. It's pretty cool. All right, Carl, thanks very much. I um, So, it's definitely, I, I can hardly wait to see what Jack's going to email to me after realizing that I screw this up big time. Uh, he's going to, he's going to call me, uh, you know, all sorts of names, probably having to do with agriculture and that's fine. Um, so I totally blew that. I will, um, I'm going to see if I can, uh, talk Jack into coming again next week if he's free, uh, to talk a little bit about Donald McPherson and, and whatever. So well, I do apologize for that. The, the Wednesday before their concert in New York too. So that's, a. Uh... Might be a good time. I don't know if they are they yeah. going to be traveling during that time. They may be traveling, um, and in which case, you know that, uh, um, you know that would be unfortunate. But we'll, we will get Jack on. I'm sorry, I hope I didn't. Uh, I hope the only reason you tuned in wasn't for Jack. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry about that. In the meantime, we do have another P Brock here with Donald McPherson, and I think I'd like to, you know, close the show with that. Um, it, you know, maybe before I, I do, I would say that, um, you know, just a few updates, maybe then, then before we, uh, do that, tell us a little bit about, uh, what's, what's going on at Pipe Hacker this week and what's coming up to coming look up, out yeah, for. Coming up, I got a, um, uh, another small tunes, short podcast coming up. Um, the, uh, 
Hopefully with a slightly less profane uh, yeah, no, title. It, well, it's, uh, yes. <laughs> but it's uh, My Lady's Gown, There's Gares Upon It is the tune. It's a Robert Burns tune, which uh, has an interesting history. And uh, I've got cool. a sort of rendition of that on the pipe as well. It's coming up. And uh, I've got a new, new installment of Pipers up there as well. Um, you know, I, I, the, the, the piping world has been surprisingly calm and, and, uh, and reasonable lately. So there's not really... Too much going on to uh, to comment on that way, but so I'm. Oh, but there will oh, be. I'm sure there will be. Oh, but there will. <laughs> but uh, you know, the <laughs> SFU concert is coming up, uh, and the workshop for that weekend in New York City. Um, so that'll be, maybe I'll recap that as well. Um, that should be interesting. Near Kelly is usually a, a good time. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna happen. It's gonna start to break loose. And one of the things we're gonna do on this show. Uh, as the competition season starts is we're going to do a lot of analysis and uh, just sort of sharing of, of the different bands and what's going on. So um, I can hardly wait to the first major for instance, and, and so on and so forth. So uh, we'll be getting into that. And um, I would say just to kind of finish off uh, dojo, you is going really awesome. And uh, I, I hope that you'll check it out. Um, we, um, I had a great class this morning, which I'm just about to upload all about jigs and how to uh, we sort of accidentally stumbled across a really really great way to learn jigs so in the next hour or so that'll be posted and if you're a student i i recommend checking that out because uh it's really um people in the in the class were like oh man this is the coolest thing and it was pretty fun uh, maybe bill were you in that class this morning um, i'm not sure but uh it was oh yeah he missed that one he's often there yeah What's, what's, uh, and what's, uh, lots what's of good the story things. with this Bruce Gandy course coming up? That seems pretty interesting. Yeah, Bruce Gandy, well, he's doing a course. Uh, Bruce uh, has taught with us before, back when we were using different software, and it was kind of, you know, uh, in its early stages. Um, and, and Bruce did a really great job. And one of the things he talked about really wanting to do was to have a class all about how to critique one's own playing. So um, because that's, I think – he believes, and I'm definitely in agreement, that's the ultimate skill that you have to learn is uh, you have to play and then you have to know where to go next and where to look for ways to improve. And so it's going to be, Bruce's class is going to be just like a high-level performance critiques class. And by high level, I don't mean that you have to pl be playing at a high level. It's just um, it's going to be taught at a high level because Bruce Gandy is, of course, you know, one of the ultimate players and teachers and, um, you know, uh, that you could possibly, uh, you know, hear from, you know, he's sort of at the top of the piping world, just like Jack Lee is and so on. So it's going to be great to hear that sort of insight. It's going to be uh, as hands-on as it can possibly get over the internet. So we're pretty pumped about that. Does that sort of address maybe the, uh, the question you had yeah, there, Vin? Yeah, absolutely. Sounds, sounds good. Yeah. And that starts May 9th, I believe at um, 7 PM Eastern. Uh, don't quote me on that. Ch definitely check out the website. I think I have it right, but um, and uh, we'll be sending some emails to remind people as it gets closer as well. But uh, and my um, <clears throat> solo competing class continues on on Thursday. We're going to get into uh, solo competing etiquette and tips and tricks, and then we're also going to talk about how to get the most out of a six eight march, right? How to bring the most music out of it to be successful in you're the gonna, solo. You're going to so go over exactly how you relieve yourself when the bathroom is. One three hundred yards on the other side of the of the of the playing field, and you're on in fifteen minutes. 
Oh, I, I'm not planning on. You might have to be a guest <laughs> for that one. Then. That's, just a tri- that's a tip I want to learn. When you go over that one. Huh? <laughs> I think uh, there are other experts on that trick that live in our general area <laughs> as well, who have who have pulled off extraordinary feats in that regard. But um, wow, this is really um, descending. So um, without further ado, I'm going to raise the level of of you know, quality and class back up here um, by playing a little bit. Uh, well, you're welcome to stay for the whole tune. This is the big spree from the same album by Donald McPherson, uh, the living legend. So uh, thanks for joining us today. I'm sorry that um, it was completely my fault that I screwed up with the Jack Lee thing, but we'll get him back on as soon as we can. So.